The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review TV series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic, and this is sort of a, a memorial episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we we do a lot of TV shows that never got off the ground, featuring a lot of actors, and a lot of our shows that we do are really old. And um, we a while ago we did an episode for Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, mm. in which we talked about the various incarnations of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, and we did in that episode a failed pitch pilot. It wasn't a complete episode; it was like a fifteen-minute episode. Yeah, and it, it was going to be a sort of a uh, Electra Woman was like a popular nineteen eighties superhero who had like hit the skids and. Uh, eventually started like moving her way back up in popularity because a young fan believed in her and she was played by the great Marky Post from Night Court and Marky Post was great in that show that one they were they were restaging Electro Woman and Dinah Girl as something really kind of corny and so uh yeah Electro Woman had grown into this incredibly crass character it was just yeah. you know, Heavy, heavy smoking, heavy drinking, complete yeah. uh, sex fiend kind of character. Yeah, and she was great. And she, and was, she was really wonderful. Funny. She was incredibly yeah. funny. In we that, were we in were that, such a huge that fan. Brief, that brief uh, episode they did, and she, we were such a huge fan of Marky Post in this. And and you know, and it's sad that you know, Marky Post passed away this mm. this last week or so. And um, it really, really, really depressed us a lot. And we wanted to sort of check back to see if there was any Marky Post. Mm. A type of material that we missed that we could highlight because we were fans. And uh, sure enough, we found a failed pilot, which is really quite a thing. And it has quite a name. And it is Maserati and the Brain. Hmm. Cufflinks. Now, don't tell me. This is for when I'm... Taken prison. I've just tied you up. Now, wait a second, Christopher. Wait a second. Why is it that you always have me taken prisoner? I haven't been taken prisoner in, in, in months. But it happens to you a lot. <laughs> Don't remind me. Lucky for you. You're wearing these electronic cufflinks. Just touch them together, they spark, and burn the ropes away. Now, you're a marvel. How did I manage before you came to live with me? Beats me. Narf. Um, yeah, not to be confused with Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, they have very little in common with each other. And it's not other. Maserati like the car. There's two S's, so I guess it's Maserati? Well, and it's also, I think it's uh, it's all A's. There's no E in it. But oh, yeah. it's it's still, they're going off of, mm. they're evoking the name. Yeah, They want the, you to think about the sexy car. Uh, and the, the pilot was, uh, 
it's a crime-fighting show. Uh, yep. It was intended to be a crime-fighting show, and uh, the main character, Maserati, is one of those idle billionaires who has nothing better to do with his time than to solve crimes. Well, he's, he's described as a soldier of fortune. He's a mercenary, but he gets paid incredibly well for it, and he lives at a mansion... And he has a he has a personal valet, mm. a uh, a butler, if you will, played by one of TV's most famous butlers, Christopher Hewitt, aka Mr. Belvedere, who would star in Mr. Belvedere a couple of years after this. If you never saw Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere was a story about a proper British butler who ended up working for like a typical suburban family. I think there was some sort of weird like inheritance stipulation that he had to had to work for this. Well, I don't know if it's if it's explicitly a remake of the Charles Lawton movie The Ruggles of Red Gap. Mm. Uh, but if you've never seen that movie, we talked about this on Only the Best on our Patreon uh, show where we review every Best Picture nominee. Uh, there's an incredibly funny 1930s comedy starring Charles Lawton as a proper British butler whose employer gambles him away uh, while uh, uh, gambling with an American like new money millionaire. Mm. And he has to travel to California back when it was still like very yeah. much the frontier town. So it's, it's a, a butler in the Old West is the yeah. joke of that movie. It's hilarious that movie and Charles Lawton is one of the main reasons it works so well just because he's yeah. such an amazing actor so like the um, gag is just sort of revisited I don't know if it's directly or indirectly yeah, it, but it's like, about yeah. a, a proper British butler who has to live now in suburban yeah. America with these kind of blue collar dweebs I think I've seen uh, every had, single episode of Mr. Belvedere head, headed up by Bob Euchre and yeah. uh, and Marilyn Manson if you believe the rumors they, uh, Marilyn Manson was not an actor who looked kind of like Marilyn Manson so you've got uh, Daniel Pylon uh, as the protagonist, Maserati. Uh, you might remember Daniel Pylon from such shows as Poltergeist, The Legacy. Uh, he was also in the original Left Behind, the movie. He was in the movie Shoot 'em Up. He had, he's had a long career. Uh, he he passed away in 2018. Um, and uh, he has uh, a an agent and also a girlfriend. And uh, she's played by Marky Post. She mm. finds him various missions to go on, you know, fabulous adventures the, that pay and, very, very well. And she's very personable, and she's always very money-minded. She mm. is, is concerned about the value of his missions. We were, I was a little disappointed that she's not in the show more, considering she's the only reason why we did this episode. <laughs> she, yeah, she shows up at the beginning, and then she's absent for a lot of the adventure, and then she shows up again at the end. Yeah, but if, she always brings a lot of dignity to everything she, she did. But she's, the, she's the Gates McFadden in marker of this show. God. I mean, yeah, but okay. <laughs> uh, but the gag of the show isn't that okay. So he's like an exciting, sexy action adventure hero who goes on adventures. We've seen that before. No, 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 no. Aaron Spelling wouldn't produce a show that had no gimmick. The gimmick is that is, is, our hero, the brain, yeah, our hero Mas Maserati, has teamed up with his nephew Christopher. Played by Peter Billingsley, a.k.a. the little kid star from A Christmas Story, who's still a little kid. And, this and this, this is, show this aired is, in 1982. Is, yeah, is, so that's before Christmas Story, isn't it? Christmas uh, Story 83? Around there, yeah. yeah. So, like, Peter Billingsley was a child so actor. Let me, let me look up the dates on Please Christmas look that story, up for yeah. me. Peter Billingsley was a child actor. And the whole gag is Peter Billingsley's parents are off, are like scientists yeah, or Christmas researchers. Christmas Story was 83. This was yeah. before. Peter Billingsley's parents are like scientists or somehow off on this big research mission for like years. And they have asked uh, his uncle to take care of him in that time. And his uncle is only too happy to do it. A, because he actually loves the kid. This isn't one of those things where it's like, ah, I'm a curmudgeon and I don't want to hang out with the kid. They have a really positive, loving relationship. And that's actually kind of nice. Mm -hmm. um, the other reason he loves it is because 
Peter Billingsley's character is a child genius and he ends up becoming his cue and coming up with all of these wild gadgets and like looking stuff up on computers. And so that's the gag. It's a kid gets to be James Bond's backup. And he only, and here's kind of a, a really brilliant thing about this pilot is they let the kid be interested in that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't behave like an adult. He's clearly not being, he, he behaves like a child. Yeah, he's interested in a like child in, level. In like yeah. kid stuff. So there's a, an episode, uh, a bit in the middle of this pilot where um, they're all sitting around to dinner. And uh, and uh, Christopher Hewitt's coming in and serving them dinner and they're eating their meal. And Peter Billingsley, like, idly leans forward and eats one of his own buttons off of his shirt. <laughs> and everyone's like, what the it's hell like, are you what doing? What are you doing? And you think it's like this kind of weird, like, just kind of absurd kid thing. It's like, yeah. no, actually, these buttons are made, they're like vitamins. I yeah. made these, like, vitamins I mean, that look like buttons. Edible buttons, they actually have a lot of nutritional value. And my theory is, if you get kidnapped which for is how, many days... Which is how he begins every one of his inventions. If you get kidnapped for many days <laughs> and Maserati's always just like I haven't been taken hostage in months which is well, pretty funny or he comes back he's like why don't you invent something that prevents me from being kidnapped <laughs> he's just like well that's no fun <laughs> so he, the, the kid has this kind of like kid-like bloody-minded tendency yeah. toward kid-like stuff and, and Maserati really Maserati is very committed to not letting the kid do anything dangerous he's like you have to stay home he has like a ring that allows him to like contact the kid like mm. Dick Tracy's wristwatch or whatever uh, and he only turns it off when he's about to make out with a pretty lady and the kid knows this <laughs> yeah he's like oh man I was gonna hear the kissy part I mean it's just Weird when it's your uncle, but yeah, you know yeah. it's it's also you're, you're a little kid. You're interested in that kind of stuff. Yeah, but uh, regardless, yeah. So that's like the only time he ever turns it off. But uh, yeah, he's he's always like in his ear. He's as you would call it in a Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, the guy in the chair. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he only oh, wants him to stay home, and he wants him to stay safe. And of course, by the end of this episode, Peter Billingsley has some reason to. Uh, run away in order to try to help Maserati, and of course he gets in a lot of trouble mm. and has to get saved. But it, 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 you know, when you put like a little kid in an action adventure situation, the usually the idea is that the producers are doing this for the kids in the audience. Yeah, like oh yeah, like uh, like when they introduce like the junior watch... Ghostbusters and the real Ghostbusters animated series. I, I don't understand the thinking behind a kid won't watch something unless there's a kid in it. Yeah, uh, children, children want to be older. Anything, well, children yeah. want to be older. Yeah, adults want to be younger. Children want to be older. They're not imagining I get to be the little kid who hangs out with the cool adults. Yeah, we just want to be the cool adults. Yeah, they're projecting themselves into the adults. So but, if you're gonna do put a kid in yeah. these things, the kid needs to be capable. And I think this is actually a pretty smart way of doing it, mm. where the kid just gets to be a child prodigy and help. Yeah, and I think he's actually useful. He's you know. Uh, uh, the Peter Mr. Bill Belvedere hates him, but other than that, <laughs> Christopher Hewitt, Christopher Hewitt, Hewitt hates yeah. him, but like it, other than that, like he's actually well, like it, pretty welcome in the situation. He's not and, getting in the way. And uh, Christopher, the Christopher Hewitt character hates him not because um, he hates kids mm. or he's uh, annoyed by his brilliance or anything. He hates him because uh, the Christopher Hewitt character is like Jeeves from the PG Woodhouse stories, yeah, and that he cannot abide by it, improper manners, yeah. He actually has uh, a line. Like, he's like, "I'm a man's man. I'm a man's gentleman. I, mm -hmm. I actually, I'm here to help you, an adult. Mm -hmm. I'm not a nanny. That's not yeah, what a, I do." Uh, I'm not sure if you've read any uh, Jeeves and Worcester I have. stories. Jeeves okay. and Worcester's um, great. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't read Jeeves and Worcester stories, please do. They're or, they're musical comedies on the page. But or um, you can watch. Uh, there's a really really great uh, old BBC series oh, with, with Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, really really yeah, funny. Which is 
perfectly in spirit with yeah. the, the actual mm-hmm. uh, novels. It, it, I find a better cast TV show than <laughs> Jeeves and Worcester with those two. Yeah, like you, but, there's no better Jeeves and Worcester. I, I can't uh, think. I mean, I'm sure other people uh, could do it, but that's perfect. And uh, and Roger Ebert put this in my head, but I'm still waiting for Ardman to do a Castle Blanding series. Oh, uh, but <laughs> I, I want Ardman animation that would to do be Castle so Blanding. Great to nail it. Uh, but um, in in uh, the books, Jeeves uh, he he was paid handsomely, but he wasn't mm. in it for the money. He was in it because he liked teaching uh, Bertie Wooster, who was kind of this flighty idiot, yeah. how to behave properly. Yeah. So his payment at the end of the story, when Jeeves was proved right and he saved the day, is like, okay, Jeeves, order that suit I know you want me to wear. Like, uh, <laughs> I know you don't like this dandyish one that I've been wearing. I'm going to get rid of this one and I'll wear the suit you like. And, and Jeeves, he would never smile, but he'd like kind of smirk a little. Thank you, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what the Christopher Hewitt character yeah. evokes in, in this pilot. It's like... Yeah. He, he can't abide by the child, not because the child is like rascally or ruins stuff that he's doing, but because he is uncouth. Yeah. So he there's kind of can't abide by that. And so, so I love the dynamic between these four main characters. Yeah. The four main characters are actually the absolute best part of this show. Mm-hmm. They're well cast. The dynamic is pretty good. Obviously, it's a little too clever by half. and None mm-hmm. of this is plausible, but whatever. If we're going to commit to this show, it, we get, it's a let's, crime let's, fighting show. let's meet it on yeah. its own terms and let's give it a try, right? So um, all of this is good. The problem is everything else that happens in the show is actually really boring. Well, we, were, we just uh, covered Encounter at Farpoint, the Star Trek The Next Generation pilot, and yeah. we talked about how it was really efficient in setting up characters and relationships and you know, the atmosphere and the function of the ship to the point where the story itself was like the dullest part. Yeah. I feel that's true here, too. They're setting up the characters. They're setting up the premise. There's uh, this uh, conceit that was stolen straight from the Pink Panther movies where mm. oh, Maserati yeah. has... Well, uh, I want to talk about that because okay. like, I have I have I have an extra problem with that. But like, regardless of that, that's all incidental. But yeah, this is basically just the majority of this is here's Maserati's adventure for the week. And that adventure is full of padding. There's so much yeah, more so extra room for character a, work he could have put in there, and it just bugs, bugs me. A, a, a woman comes to him and uh, hires him to go off on an, on an adventure, yeah. which involves uh, seeking the bottom of the ocean for a sunken yeah. ship that might have treasure on it. Yeah. Uh, which means, unfortunately, there's going to be a scuba, scuba diving sequence. Those are what never was your obsession, Hollywood? It's so boring. If you're going to be doing a nature documentary underwater, I am there. Sure. Uh, if, if you want to stage an action sequence underwater... Don't Stop that. It's that. like a Super Mario water level. Everyone's like, no! <laughs> Never. It's the worst. Mm. Um, the episode begins with Maserati. You don't know anything about him. You see Marky Post, and she's like sunbathing mm. in, in, in the sun, as one does. And <laughs> Maserati is playing tennis. And all of a sudden, Maserati is attacked by two Japanese guys. Mm. And uh, he has to fight them to the death. And he's fighting them. He's fighting them with his with tennis, tennis racket. racket. It's... I, it's Clearly comedic. It's played it's, played for laughs. It's, it's yeah. played whimsically. It's one of those things where it's just like you know, it's easy to fight ninjas when they wait for you to punch them patiently. Um, but uh, at the end, he's just like, "Oh, you guys, that was terrible." No, 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 no. You need to like wait until I'm like I can't see you. I totally heard you step on a twig, and you're not fighting good. And they're just like, "Oh, sorry." So they're doing the Big Panther Kato mm, surprise yeah. me with attacking me kind of attack me randomly. So I'm always ready. Which is weird because that was supposed to be a joke, and now people are doing it seriously, which is bizarre. Like it, you did say it is whimsical, but yeah, this is just something he does. This is a character thing. So he saw the Pink Panther movies and thought, "I'm going to pay." 
people to do this for real, and that's kind of so, yeah, pathetic. So but the other two, two martial arts instructors who attack him randomly. But the problem is, he's so much better than them, and he talks down to them, and he like insults one of them for not knowing Japanese, and it's mm. just it starts off on such a sour note. It's basically just like, "Hey, I, the handsome young white rich man, mm. know your culture and fighting styles better than you," and it's hard not to take away a certain note of white superiority yeah, in that. And it's, it's it's really ugly, and it doesn't really it, get you off on a good note. I, I get that you're trying to make him seem badass because he's even tougher than the guys who, because we're only looking at them as stereotypical characters, they try to take the yes. curse off of that by having their dialogue be unexpected. But really, we know what you're doing. He's well, better and, than and, the ninjas at being a ninja. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I, and you can't you can't really sort of take a step back and give the show the benefit of the, of the doubt because if you look at all the media that surrounded Asian characters in the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, it was all incredibly racist. Yep. Uh, we run around this yeah, a lot. There's a lot yeah, of like how, every how every we, show had a Chinatown episode yeah, and how, where there, there was, was some Chinese restaurant that was being were, attacked um, by the triads, and they had the the white guy had to save them. Thank yeah, you, the, Manimal, the, and, and, and the master, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, there was. Um, there, there seems to be like a rotating uh, trends of stereotypes, if you will, yeah. uh, like stereotypes that are just hipper than others to include in your shows uh, as mm-hmm. history progresses. And yeah, the 1980s were uh, were really, really bad to Asian Americans. They were mm-hmm. really, really cruel. You know, whenever uh, Asian characters would step on screen, you'd always have a gong sound effect. You'd yeah. see that in like police academy movies. Yeah. So even though this particular pilot isn't as ugly as other examples from the era. It's a throwaway it's still, joke, but it's how it's, it starts. It's still drawing yeah. from a lot of these really horrendous stereotypes that were really trendy at the time. It's a bad foot forward. Um, um, but yeah, Marky Post, oh, what is this? Uh, what do you got here? My phone's making noise. Sorry, stop making that off. phone noise. Uh, <laughs> stop making that phone noise. Uh, Marky Post says, yes, I have a new assignment for you. There's a lady who wants to hire you. And uh, fortunately, she lives right down the street, so we don't have to spend a lot of money on this episode. And it's like, great. (laughs) And uh, she calls and she says, like, hey, I'm being held hostage in my house. And he, Peter Billingsley, immediately, like, gives him a whole bunch of gadgets. And like, oh, they're surrounded by attack dogs. So Peter Billingsley, and this is such a little kid gadget, I love it, gives him a Swedish meatball gun (laughs) that shoots Swedish meatballs so the dogs will be distracted. And I'm like, see, this is good. He's making stuff kids would make, but it is useful. And I like that. That's a good dynamic. <laughs> so he you know, sneaks in with a grappling hook. He uses a Swedish meatball gun and he rescues her. But it turns out, aha, I was just testing you to see if you were better than the security guards I already have. And it turns out you are. So here's the deal. Uh, Hitler. So, so stupid. Hitler. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. Sorry. You, you blindsided me there. So wait, we, yeah. we got we got Hitler now. Hitler. <laughs> back in World War Two, back when we had Hitler. Uh, he <laughs> back when there was a Hitler. Yeah, it's, thank God we don't anymore. Uh, but uh, he uh, he had sent to uh, uh, Japan as like a gesture of his evil goodwill, uh, his bad some, will, if you will. Yeah, his some uh, some like rare antiquities that uh, that had been stolen from uh, Japan that were being housed in Europe, and he's going to send them to Japan. And uh, that submarine had sunk, and nobody knew where it was. And everyone's been like, ooh, where's that shit? And it turns out her dad found it. And her dad was in a was in a boating accident off the coast of Santa Barbara, and uh, which which is by the way where they all live. Very convenient. Mm-hmm. And um 
Yeah, which is just just up the coast. It's about like yeah. it's an hour drive. He sent he sent her a, a weird, mysterious message, and she couldn't decode it. And she needs his help decoding it so they can find out where the wreckage is and get all this stuff so they can return it back uh, uh, to Europe or uh, wherever it goes. And uh, there's just one problem: Christopher Lee, <laughs> the Christopher Lee, who, yeah, who who. Let's just say it. He rarely said no. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Lee. If you could afford him, he'd show up. Chris, Christopher Lee had a had a free weekend mm. and decided to and deigned to appear in your show. Lucky you. Mm. Uh, Christopher Lee is playing a Nazi, which must be weird for Christopher Lee, considering he killed Nazis in World War II. He mm. was an assassin. This is true. He also had his own metal band. He fought in World War One. Uh, he fought in, one? Uh, he fought in uh, the Hundred Years' War. Okay, you're, he now fought... you're just being cute. No, he actually he actually was an assassin in World War II, and he actually was like still like even in his like old 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 age. He lived to be a very old man. Um, he was still like all that shit was still classified. Mm-hmm. And there's this amazing story where Peter Jackson was uh, shooting the scene in Lord of the Rings that didn't make it into the theatrical cut, where uh, Christopher Lee's character is killed by Wormtongue, the Brad Dourif character, mm. and. Um, Weird thing to leave out if you think about it. Oh, yeah. but, I don't remember what yeah. happened to his character. Yeah, he, he's he's defeated by the Ents, and then that's that. They just don't resolve that. But at the beginning of the extended cut of Return of the King, all like you know, Vigo Mortensen and all those guys show up, and they see what has happened. And Christopher Lee is just like, "You have, you may have won the battle, but I will win the war." And then Wormtongue stabs him in the back. Hmm. And Peter that Jackson Christopher was, Lee in the back. Yeah, and that's yeah. The, how the character dies. Um, he's like his his underling kills him. Yeah. Um. And uh, Peter Jackson was directing the scene, and he's like, okay, so in this scene, uh, Christopher, you know, uh, Brad Dorff's going to stab you in the back, and I go, ah! And Christopher Lee took Peter Jackson aside and said, I know what people sound like when you stab them in the back. That's not it. I'm going to make the correct noise. And Peter Jackson's like, yes, sir, Mr. Lee. (laughs) Because he how actually many, how, did that how shit. Many li- how many lives have you taken? It's <laughs> a lot, probably weird. a lot. So it must be uh, weird for Christopher mm. Lee to play a Nazi. Well, you know that must be weird, right? Like he 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 understands better than anybody the villainy they represent. Oh sure, so, yeah. I just I just think that must be a little surreal, considering like I've killed people yeah. for having this ideology, yeah, and now I have to play this in a movie. That must be a little weird. Maybe I, maybe it's, it's not. It's, I don't know. But from my head, I imagine to, it being a little weird. I think it's not revealed until later that he's a Nazi. At first, he no. They say quite early. He's like a, he's oh. a leader of like a neo-Nazi party, and oh, uh, he I wants thought... to find these trinkets because he believes that because Hitler owned them, they are the right of his yeah, party. Like, and um, I thought if he was introduced as just like a rare coin collector, and then they said, "Oh wait, he's actually in charge of something insidious." Well, he tries to that. he tries to um, he goes to Maserati, and he says, "I know that this woman has hired you." And I would like to hire you. I'd like to pay you more because what she hasn't told you, she told you that there are like these rare like prints mm. that you're trying to uh, find that are worth like $50,000 or whatever. Uh, there's actually rare like Nazi coins that are underneath that they're in the wreckage mm. and they're worth like $200,000 per coin. <laughs> so I will happily give you a lot That's more than million, that. Millions of dollars. Yeah. I'll give you treasure. a lot more money if you'll work for me. And Maserati is actually just saying that, listen, let's leave politics out of that. And I'm like, he's a Nazi. <laughs> and I love that Marky post is just like, he's, he offered you how much? 
he's a Nazi. The answer is no. No. We do not work with Nazis. So it's weird that he entertains it for a second. I don't know if he's trying to lure Christopher Lee into like revealing more about his plan, Mm. but it really does seem like he's genuinely considering, eh, I stay out of politics, whatever. I'm a soldier of fortune. (laughs) I'll I'll go wherever the money is. (sighs) Weird. Um, But he does say no, and he ends up um, working with the lady to, um, uh, oh, by the way, what's, what's her character's name? Hang on. Uh, oh, the woman who hired him? Yeah, I told him she's actually kind of a big deal. Is that Diana, played by Ann Turkle? Yes, Ann Turkle. Yeah, they they abscond. Christopher Lee gives them like a merry chase. They have to like pretend. They steal a milk truck in order to give them the shaft. But then Christopher Lee like walks up to the milk truck guy. It's like, so did they steal your milk truck? Yes. Just as we planned. And I'm like, that's a stupid plan. Why would you even... Why would you even do that? So they drive down to Maserati's boat, and they're going to go find... He's uh, the, the brain has figured out the code for uh, where the mm. coordinates are. And it, there's this great, there's this bit that, like, you can't tell if it's just bad writing or if it's set up where uh, the brain... The, she says, oh, how'd you figure out the code? Yeah, it turns out it's like an old, like, children's code. And, like, your, your father probably knew it and thought you'd remember it. And she's like... I do kind of remember us having a code when we were kids. I can't believe I forgot about that. Foreshadowing, 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 foreshadowing. I'm never going to use that song again. I think I regret doing that. <laughs> I thought it would be kind of funny, and no, uh, I think it's no, really stupid. Kind of, I, we're not kind of went, went over like a little. Yeah, there. no, we're not doing that. I, you know what? I tried. You can. You, you got to keep trying. Um, they go you, down. You never, they, you never know until you try. They go down under the waves, and there's they're there for fucking ever. And Christopher Lee sends some more scuba guys down there. And uh, the kid had invented a ballpoint pen with a knife in it, and that knife is poisoned with a paralytic that is also like makes you go a little like you know goofy in the head, uh, which really maybe he shouldn't be making that shit. He is like he's like ten, but okay. Uh, so they manage to escape. They can't find the treasure, and they end up uh, absconding to a nearby uh, deserted island, an island where no one is living except these people, because there are people on the island. It turns out that there's like it's like Mosquito Coast. Like the dad was just like you know I I don't trust civilization anymore. I'm just going to live on this island off the coast of Santa Barbara with my wife and two kids, one of whom is uh, played by. A- Pre-Poltergeist Heather O'Rourke Yeah, Heather O'Rourke, the little kid from Poltergeist Is like, they're here And who sadly died at way too young an age Like, it's really tragic What happened to Heather O'Rourke There's a really wonderful tribute to Heather O'Rourke In uh, the Shudder TV series Cursed Films Yeah Uh, Cursed Films is a really intelligent show Uh, You think it's gonna be like Oh yeah, in this film, people died on the set of this And the, the film is cursed, and that makes it like Cool and scary and they talked to the director of Poltergeist 3, and they said, a, a 12-year-old girl is dead. This is sad. Mm-hmm. And it, and they actually kind of really lean into sort of the sadness and the tragedy of, of you know, people mm-hmm. dying on the set of a movie and, like, what, what really goes wrong. Um, yeah, Heather O'Rourke, uh, and they tell her story and, like, how she rose to prominence and, as a child actress and uh, yeah. how a lot of uh, her work 
caused a, a, a severe medical problem for us to be misdiagnosed, and she was having yeah. a lot of health issues when she was around 12. And yeah, she passed away at a very early age. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's incredibly but, tragic. Uh, She'll be twelve, and it's really sad. But she's here. She's playing a little girl whose father is letting them live on this deserted island, and uh, they're just sort of like, "Oh, so you're not with the government, are you?" Hmm. No. Well, then they put my shotgun away, and I'm like, "Great! I love this family. This is a great place. I feel very safe." And then they walk up to their encampment, and it's all very Swiss Family Robinson. And they walk past a grave, and it's like, "Hey, what's up with that grave?" I'll tell you over lunch. And I'm like, "Great! All of this is awesome, and I feel very safe." <laughs> Uh, but it turns out that I'd, like I'd feel at ease, but I'm a psychopath. Uh, it turns out that like a couple of days ago, like a dead body washed up on shore, and they couldn't just leave it out there, so they buried it. And the guy had a wallet. The next time I go to the mainland, I'll give it to the police, and we'll deal with it then. And so it's still like if you were only taking their word for it, and you didn't know about the like the boat crash earlier. Oh no, the body washed up on shore. Sure. Mm. Are those teeth marks in his bones? Donuts? Shark? <laughs> But it turns out the kids are like playing with these like ancient doubloons, mm. and uh, yeah, the uh, the 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 cachet of treasure has been hidden in a cave, and of course, the Nazis show up and they want the stuff, and they're gonna fight them. And then uh, the 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 kid has run off to try to like save Maserati because the kid has figured out. And long before the movie slash the TV movie that this ended up becoming slash pilot episode uh, decides to resolve this, uh, that uh, the woman who hired him is not the woman who hired him. She's an imposter. They look at two photos of uh, of two different women wearing a very similar outfit in a similar pose. And they've yeah. been switched out. So yeah, it, it turns out it was a different person all along. Yeah, so he's he was hired under false pretenses. And it turns out that this woman has been working with Christopher Lee all along, which makes no sense it, whatsoever. I, I hate this wrinkle when the person who hired the detective is in on it, yeah. because if they never hired a detective, then the detective wouldn't have figured anything out. Well, even Aren't if, you tempting fate at that point? Well, here's the deal. Even if, you, even if we're going along with this, let's say, for example, that the reason why they hired Maserati is because they couldn't crack this code, mm. and they wanted to bring in someone from the outside. And so here's what you do. You hire a Maserati, says, hey, I need to, we're trying to crack this code and we can't figure out where the sunken treasure is. Why do you tell him Christopher Lee is a Nazi and is after him? Why don't you just not do that, mm. let him find this shit really uneventfully, and then surprise him by being surrounded by neo-Nazis and killing him yeah, after they're... the deed is done? It makes no sense, the, even from like a baseline level. Yeah, the, as, as far as I can tell, the villains are trying to stage this elaborate narrative where they can like maybe pin it on him or have him corroborate some sort of story that they're trying to write. But that's not brought up in this particular pilot. Mm -mm. They're just sort of shooting themselves in the foot by hiring yeah. this guy. It's a twist for its own sake, mm. not because it actually makes the show better, not because it illuminates anything. It's there because... That it gives you something to do in the second half of the episode. Pretty much, it's yeah. really bad writing. <laughs> like it's like really extraordinarily bad. bad. Yeah. Uh, so it uh, and and yeah. So they they catch the 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 villains and uh, they, the, they they arrest well, the woman and uh, no 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 because you're skipping like an eight hour helicopter stunt. 
I also skipped the really long searching underwater scuba st- uh, well, sequence as well. Real fast, there's a whole bit where the kid and Maserati are actually tied up and they have to use the kid's gadgets to escape. Turns out that the kid's gadgets only work like for like one set of ropes and then they just grab a knife, which is just like, yeah, instead of giving him like cufflinks that burn through ropes, you could have given him a, a knife, knife. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of undermines the premise of the series, but okay. Yeah. Like and a, then I'm reminded of the instance where um, this, this is apocryphal, but this is a fun story. Um, oh, is this about the space shuttle? The, yeah, the, yeah, the ballpoint pens in space. Um, yeah. American scientists couldn't figure out how to get a ballpoint pen to work because the ink was floating around. Well, the ink, the ink so was they, uh, wasn't drawing. The ink was it, wasn't, wasn't drawing. It yeah, was it, it was, it was uh, floating back up into the rear end of the pencil, and you know, so they weren't able. So they finally were able to, after uh, you know, all of this millions study, of study dollars. Engineering of, and yeah, yeah. A million dollars of research were able to find a, a ballpoint pen that could write in zero gravity, and uh, the Russian scientists use a pencil. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, idiots. that's apocryphal, but it's, it's the kind yeah. of shit we know that shit's happened. It's, it's like we've that, all that, seen shit like that happen. Not a, not a true story, but yeah, that's, the most it, obvious solution it, it's is a just good, smack dab in a the, good little in, parable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, so mm-hmm. so that's going on there, and then uh, 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 Mr. Belvedere shows up with this like mysterious lady who's been following them around. Turns out she's with the German government, and she's trying to stop Christopher Lee. She wasn't the sinister person that she appeared to be because mm-hmm. every time the camera cut to her, it played like bum 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 like sinister <laughs> music. Mr. Belvedere and her show up in a in a helicopter, and uh, this Christopher Hewitt is the actor's his, name, and he played Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, he's he is Mr. Belvedere. Mr. Belvedere. To me, he credit. will always be Mr. Belvedere. I'm giving him, I'm giving him credit. He was, he was credited as Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> Peter Hewitt. He had a, a long, Christopher Hewitt. long distinguished career. He's more Christopher Hewitt. Yeah. Christopher Hewitt. I, he was in I the apologize. producers for goodness. Sake. He was in the producers. Yeah. He was it's all seriously all credit on the world. He's yeah. he's a wonderful he's, actor. He's actually a very good actor. I, he's, I'm not insulting. I do this all the time. I know. I know. Okay. And, and, <laughs> I, and I do the actors. I do it too. I'm, I'm completely. Just the, of this that. is this is your line in the sand. Mm. You cannot refer to Christopher Hewitt by the by one of the most famous characters he played. How dare you? Just, I, I want people to know his name. Christopher Hewitt. The, the, they will the never Mr. Belvedere. You guy. will remember, hey audience, you will remember Christopher Hewitt's name forever. He, he was he was the cop in the Lavender Hill Mob. Oh, he, he like, was. He, he, he was in a healing that. comedy. He's got a I long about career. That. I yeah. forgot about that one. Fair enough. Anyway, Maserati jumps onto a helicopter. And the helicopter like chases Christopher Lee around and he has to jump on and off the helicopter and Christopher Hewitt has to jump on and off the helicopter. I'm going to say this right now. The helicopter bits are interminably long. (laughs) However, those are hard stunts. Mm. Those are dangerous stunts as we would find out like in a year or two when the horrible tragedy happened on the set of Twilight Zone the movie. Mm. Um, and there's a reason why they don't do helicopter stunts like that anymore. So I'm going to say this right now, very irresponsible, but kudos to everyone involved for some very difficult, extremely dangerous helicopter stunts in a pilot episode for a TV series. Well, it, you, can, like, you can you tell really this is... Put, they, they, that's where they put the effort yeah, in. It's where they, well, it's where they put all the money. Mm-hmm. Um Certainly didn't put it into the writing, and you know it doesn't. It does't have, and you know, Marky Post and Christopher Hewitt. Uh, Christopher Hewitt wasn't a name yet, so he wasn't. No, he was. Really he was a res- people you would recognize him. Mm-hmm. You've seen him in movies. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a noteworthy guest, you know, supporting role. He he wasn't like a celebrity star though. It's not like they didn't have no. to didn't have to go out of their way to get Christopher Hewitt in their show. No, but he was, he was a good get though. Uh, he yeah. was a good get for the show, and. uh the the lead actor isn't a huge star. Marky Post is you know reliable. on the rise, but yeah, like, she yeah she um 
Maybe these days she's maybe best known for a recurring role on Night Court. Um, I think Night Court's kind of where she she yeah. and she was also on the Fall Guy of Memory Serves. Yeah, Night Night Court know. and the Fall Guy are like the her two biggest roles, but she acted constantly. Yep. Uh, so yeah, but she she's not again not a not a grabber. So they're not spending. Peter a lot Billingsley on hadn't the cast. done a Christmas Story yet, so he wasn't like yeah, a so huge can't say The kid from the Christmas Story. Yeah, a Christmas Story. Um, Christopher Lee's the get. Chris, yeah, I guess Christopher and he's the Lee one-off like villain. The, the he's one. gone after this, you know. So yeah, Christopher Lee and who I, I'm guessing asked for a tidy sum. I'm sure. And, he did. and the helicopter stunt and the underwater photography—that's yeah. where all the money went. Yeah. And uh, and it's a pity because of those three things, Christopher Lee is the only thing that was worth it. Yeah, the, the helicopter stunt's like kind of cool, but it did not need to go on for 15 goddamn minutes. And I don't even think that one's an exaggeration. Yeah, it's, not, it's impressively uh, that they did it, but it's yeah. not impressively. And it's all done staged. in like one take, and yeah. people like jumping off of helicopters onto like the shingled roof of buildings. And I'm mm. like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, that is legitimately dangerous. I am impressed at your stunt work. There should be a, more awards for that kind of thing. And it should also not have taken up this much real estate in your show. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, they managed to, to stop Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is just like, well, fair enough. And then uh, Maserati. <laughs> it's a fair cop. Yeah. And then uh, Maserati and the brain, like they have dinner with everyone who survives. He's a good guy. They save the real lady who didn't hire him, but, you know, should be saved, obviously. And so uh, that's that. There would be more adventures, is the implication of Maserati and the Brain. And uh, at this point, it's a short episode because it's a short, you know, pilot. We don't have a million things to say about it. So much of it is, again, so much of this pilot is just padding. Mm. It's just helicopter stuff and underwater stuff. There's really not enough to talk about, which is a shame. But let's just let's just do it. Let's just make this a short episode. Mm. Was Maserati and the Brain canceled too soon? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, uh, this was a two-hour pilot. I mean, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an hour it's, and a half once you take out all of the commercials and, yeah. and everything else. But um, yeah, it this is a good premise, I think, for a kind of a crime fighting show. Yeah, uh, where you have the the lead character is uh, sort of a, a cliche, but he's actually kind of clever, and the, the yeah. lead actor is charismatic. He's the kind of character you want to keep on watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's flawed, he's, like he he really does. Hmm. Uh, uh, He's completely swayed by the promise of sex. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, oh, and, oh and there's all these holes in your story? Well, you are making out with me, so I don't really care. And it's presented as a flaw. He's, yeah. not, he's not sort of seen as this, like, unbeatable ladies' man. Like, it's, yeah. oh, he's he's horny and that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, Peter like he, turn, he turns uh, off his, like, radio and, like, that's what gives Christopher Lee an opportunity to, to win because mm. the kid can't get yeah. in touch with him. So, yeah. Uh, Peter Billingsley is wonderful in this. He's, he's, very, he, he's very like he's very active and he's very yeah. engaged. He's a very good young actor. I buy him in uh, this, yeah. Which Mark, is it's a silly role, yeah. but I buy him in it. Uh, Marky Post is Marky Post. She's just yeah. ever the professional. She plays a, a kind of more down to earth yeah. character, kind of grounding everything. I'd want and her connecting to, her to like the, all of these characters to the real world. I really do think you need to give her more to do if this series goes on. Well, the, she and, needs to and be that's more what engaged. I'm thinking. Yeah, you you cut off the martial arts instructors because oh. we don't need them. They're a cliche. They add, uh, they add nothing. St- to they're the story. a stereotype, and they add nothing. Yeah. You expand Marky Post. Uh, you keep Christopher Hewitt, yep. you keep Peter Billingsley, uh, you keep uh, the lead dude, yeah. and you have this this four-part uh, team yeah. that are sort of attacking problems from different angles, and they all yeah. have something to offer, they all have a different yeah. point of view. They all, they all care about each other, even if they don't always get along, which is yeah. nice, actually. Like, you, you'd think mm-hmm. that, like, you know, you want more conflict, and that's what would drive everything, but oftentimes, like, I've been watching that uh, that new Superman show, mm. uh, Superman and Lois, um, 
and uh, I, I'm a few episodes behind on it, but it's all about Superman and Lois. They've been married for a while, and they have two teenage sons, mm. and they decide to move back to Smallville to raise them, uh, and. A lot of it is just Superman trying to be a good father and, like, these two sons who have, like, a very little in common mm. be trying to be good brothers to each other. And, like, Lois trying to be, like, a good mom and, like, you know, and but while also pursuing her career. And, like, I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> about any of the superhero shit. Mm. I like hanging out with this family. This is actually, like... A really healthy family dynamic that still has like engaging drama in it, but it's engaging drama because they're trying to be there for each other and life is just hard, mm. even if you're like a superhero. And I'm watching this, I'm like, I want to live in this universe, <laughs> I want to visit this every single week. Mm. This is very reassuring to me. The older I get, the more I appreciate that kind of television. So if the dynamic in Maserati and the Brain is awesome uncle gets along well with the kid nurtures his talent uh, uncle's girlfriend is like very supportive and everyone's just really happy with each other mm. and like well, and, and, and like part of the team because yeah. she, she's actually like kind of the manager of the team yeah and and our butler is you know a a bit persnickety about things, but really does care about everybody. He cares That's a great dynamic. He, I, I want to hang out with them. So, uh, yeah, the, just th that core set of characters going out yeah. into the world and, and taking care of problems is, I think, an interesting enough premise. I was yeah. reminded of uh, the Martin Lando pilot we did, Savage. Really? That's interesting. Uh, well, in just because they had the good team dynamic? Yeah, just yeah. in that there's a, this good team okay. dynamic. I wanted to it's see tonally more Tonally, they're very different. But uh, like, indeed, yeah. but um, this, these are both instances where I want to see the, that team working together more. Yeah. Because their relationships are established. We don't have to go through that tiresome drama where they learn to get along. Yeah. They're already getting along. They already know how they work to, with one another and you get to see them interact in positive ways. You know what I want to see? I want to see a crossover episode with Maserati and the Brain and the Whiz Kids. That would be great too. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, where the Brain meets the Whiz Kids. Yeah, that would be uh, fun. WizKids was and a they very get along really well. WizKids yeah. was a very early episode we did at Cancel Too Soon, but it was a mid 1980s TV series about a bunch of teenage hackers before that became a cliche. And uh, you know, it's hit and miss, but it was actually a pretty good show. Yeah, the characters are really interesting. You can yeah. still go to our we have a T public page still. Oh yeah. And you can get you can get <laughs> t you can get Cancel Too Soon t-shirts still to this yeah. day. They never take the store down. And in uh one of the characters is named Jeremy, and he's as like a, an act, as an active subterfuge in one episode of Whiz Kids. Yeah. Jeremy is like trying to distract somebody by selling, I think it's papers. Like no, no, papers? no, he's he's doing like yawn, lawn work, and it's like oh, I have right. I have I have like a local like team, and we call ourselves was it the Jeremy Project? It's, it's the Jeremy Connection. The Jeremy, Connection. and his name is Jeremy, and he had these matching T-shirts printed up just for this active single active subterfuge, which is yeah. distract somebody for like five minutes. Yeah, and they're, and they're all wearing of, these T-shirts. They're really the ugly T-shirts. Too. Yeah, they're just plain white t-shirts with, with black yeah. lettering, but uh, yeah. it says the Jeremy Connection. We made those. <laughs> I made a Jeremy <laughs> Connection t-shirt, and you can get a the Jeremy Dude, Connection t-shirt. I don't t -shirt. think we ever sold one of them. We've sold one, one. to my friend Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody named Jeremy. Oh he God. bought a Jeremy Connection t-shirt. Anyway. No, nobody's ever... That's like... A, the the tenth of a percent for the tenth of a percent. Anyway, of back on track. I'm torn with whether I think this is canceled too soon because mm -hmm. on one hand I do love that dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think the cast, the the principal cast, is really really good. But 
you know, if this is like your best foot forward level of quality, oh. we're going to get out of this. I wonder how much how 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 much they're really likely to capitalize on that, you know? You're, you're concerned because it's really, really padded. Keep in mind, this was a two-hour pilot, and Great. every episode from here on out was going to be one hour, lower budget. They wouldn't have the big action spectacular you as know what? much. It would be a lot more, probably a lot more story-driven, you at least what? one would assume. You know what? You sold me. Yeah, okay. this was canceled too soon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, not amazing. I don't know if I, I would, like, want to see a season and see if they manage to, like, bring mm. it out of its shell a little bit. And if not, then maybe one season is all they get. But, yeah, this definitely deserves to be more than a pilot. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the, the characters are really, the characters and the, the premise are enough. Yeah. And it, it's not one of those things where they blew the premise and they need to rework it. I think they just need to yeah. settle into an hour-long slot and get some good stuff stories going and it would work just perfectly well yeah um so uh that mm. is maserati and the brain we didn't really talk about like the behind the scenes crew uh it was directed by harvey hard who had worked on some stuff that we've done before uh in particular the star lost oh okay he yeah. worked on the star lost so the bizarre science fiction series here yeah, a lot of promise bad execution mm. bad great premise bad execution uh he works on peyton place the tv series he works on a show i've actually been trying to get to for a while trying to track down every episode of it uh which starred robert loja as a cat burglar and it was called t-h-e cat T-H-E is an acronym. Which I only know from Mystery Science Theater they've made. Oh, did they reference that? Yeah. I I saw, like, the opening, like, credits, and they're actually pretty stylish, and I kind of want to check it out, but I'm having trouble. It's like, it had, like, a long first season, and I'm trying to track down every episode. But it's been a while since I've checked YouTube, which is where you can find Maserati in the brain, by the way, if you want to check it out for yourself. Uh, Maybe now you can find it, but anyway. Um, So, yeah. Kudos to the makers of uh, Maserati and the Brain, and once again, Marky Post, you are very sorely missed. Yeah, rest in peace, Marky Post. Rest in peace, Marky Post. Um, we'll be back next time uh, with an episode that I have—I've been trying to get Whitney to watch this show for ten fucking years. So this is totally <laughs> true. This is one of the first things I ever told Whitney. I reckon, please watch this show sometime, and he never got around to it. Partly because for many years it was weirdly unavailable in America. Yeah, I, I think you could readily get your hands on it in England. It's a British yeah. show, but uh, yeah, yeah. You couldn't, streaming couldn't rights find it, couldn't find it in the United yeah. States on home video or anywhere. But currently, it's on Amazon Prime, right? Uh, yeah, it just snuck its way on Amazon Prime, and I yeah. can watch all six episodes. Yeah, so time. we're actually going to be viewing the next episode of Cancel Too Soon. We're going to be reviewing uh, the classic cult comedy Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. If you have not seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Do yourself a favor, just watch the pilot. It's like 20 minutes. Just watch the pilot if you can. I think you're going to laugh your butt off. I really do. I love this show. I don't want to ruin it. I I haven't revisited it in a while, so maybe I'll say like after the pilot it starts to stink. I don't recall. But uh, that pilot is one of the best pilots I've ever seen, and I cannot (laughs) wait to talk about it with Whitney because I hope you like it too. I've, I've watched it already, so no comment. Okay. I'm going to save it for the episode, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we will talk we'll about that. We'll be talking about Garth, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. All right, so that's coming up next on Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, very special thank you in particular to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, if you're a patron, you get a whole lot of exclusive shows about stuff like the Academy Awards, Batman, Star Trek. You get commentary tracks. You get hangouts. Uh, and uh, we're just incredibly grateful to you because without you, this show would not exist. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for helping support the show. If you can't afford to support the show financially, and I totally get it, 
Uh, you can help out the show by leaving a review, by subscribing, by recommending it to a friend. All of this stuff really, really helps. Uh, you can also email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail, so feel free to write in with questions, uh, critiques, corrections, anything you want to talk about. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'm forgetting anything. We have a P.O. Box. Mail we do. If you want to mail us a letter, like an actual physical piece of paper. We'll read those on the letters episode as well. Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, yeah. P.O. Box, uh, make it out to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. All right. So that is it for us. Thank you, everybody. Once again, be be safe out there. Get vaccinated if you haven't already. Wear a mask. Do everything you got to do. Let's, let's, let's get out of this, shall we? <laughs> uh, and uh, until then, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.